Great announcements, everyone. I was, I said before the announcements, Keith and I were sitting over here and I was like, after Heidi goes, will you like go up and announce your announcement and then like pray just for the flow? And he was like, absolutely, no problem. And then Anna was like, Keith, will you go first? So that then he came here, but Keith was asking if he could stay standing back there. And then you stand, stood up back there. And so the whole thing is ruined as far as our announcements go. Right, right. Um, can I have your permission tonight? There, I feel like every week I get up and I share, like, here's the good things that are happening. And w- there's, there's even more good things that have happened this week. But um, can, we just, can I just preach like a, a sermon just real quick? Because even at chapel... I'm asking your permission because at chapel, oftentimes we're, we're just sharing thoughts. Like I read this and I think this, and um, I think that's good for us because in this like country, sometimes we have learned to overvalue the sermon. It's like, what church do you go to? And does your pastor tell it like it really is? Or does he not tell it like it, you know? And, it, and it's like, I got, I got caught up in that for so long in my life. And so this has been a real refreshing time for me to just have different people kind of rotate through and share different thoughts and deconstruct different things and help us kind of understand that we can all interpret the Bible. And it's not just about what one person has to say. And with that said, can I have your permission to preach what I would think is kind of a little bit of a cheesy, like sermon to you tonight because it popped in my head and I think it will be fun for all of us to hear. Is that okay? Okay. So I have good news for you. Not bad news. I read a quote by a famous author this week that said, we can't understand the good news until we understand the bad news. And I thought, isn't that just like us? Christians to ruin it all. Let me tell you the good news. You're the scum of the earth. You're a dirt bag. You sinned. God's mad at you. But the good news, that's not good news. So I have good news to share with you tonight. And the good news comes from John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, the story of Jesus healing some guy. I'm not going to go into some deep context, but I'm going to address something that caught my attention as I was reading this story about Jesus healing some guy at the pool of Bethsaida. The story goes like this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Thank you for all of those details. John, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? This is why Jesus always knew the answers to the questions he was asking people. 
He just asked really obvious general questions. Of course the guy wants to get well. That was a joke. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one, see in a normal sermon, I would say that in like a church, if I'm preaching like a church on Sunday, I'd be like, Jesus asked these general, and everyone would be like, oh, he's so funny. We want to listen to everything he has to say. You guys, you guys are deeper than that. So you don't let me get away with this, you know, cheesy borderline Sunday morning, you know, humor. Sir, the invalid replied, and this is an old translation because I'm not sure that would be allowed to be said at this point. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. There was a belief that an angel came and stirred that water. And if you were first into that water, you would be healed. And for like 40 some years, this guy never was able to be first, even if he sat really close to the side of the pool. Then Jesus said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now this moves over to Nehemiah chapter 3, which you can try to find in your Bible while I'm talking a little bit. I just open in the Old Testament until I finally land on the book. Nehemiah is small, so you're going to have to get very lucky with it. Now, Jesus walks into Jerusalem, and he's there, and all these sick, crippled people are lying by the pool of Bethsaida, and they got there by way of the Sheep Gate, which is weird, because that's the gate for the sheep. But I can understand it in that time, because you don't want to be around people who are crippled or who are sick, because you don't want to get their voodoo on you. There are so many things in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus and in all these old laws, like somebody's sick because there's sin in their family's life and you don't want to be near them. Like that's the belief. And here Jesus comes walking in through the sheep gate and he's like in the middle of these people, fearless and ready to bring healing. And yet this is how he has to find them. By the sheep gate by a pool that everyone said has been filled with magical waters and that's how you're going to find healing not like a doctor's here to work with you no go to the magic pool through the animal entrance because this is where you're far away from us and jesus finds himself in the middle of that now that's curious to me, not because Jesus finds himself in the middle of that, because Jesus always finds himself in the middle of that. The curious thing to me was, why are these people by the sheep gate? Because that's just how my mind works. I'm like reading this, and I'm like, John, why are you telling this is by the sheep gate? Why the sheep gate? Why couldn't it be by some other weird gate? Why couldn't they have been outside with the lepers? Why are they by the sheep gate at the pool of Bethsaida? So I Google sheep gate and I find out there's this guy named Nehemiah who has a book named after him in the Old Testament, the same Bible. And Nehemiah shows up to Jerusalem when the walls are completely wrecked. The city has been laid under siege. It is destroyed. It is laid bare. And he happens to be cupbearer to the king. So he has the finances if he has the nerve to just ask, 
please let me go rebuild my city because I believe it's the city of God, the city of the Lord. The king says, yes, you can go do this. And I think it's like a three-month period. It might be longer. I should have researched that before I said it. But if I say it confidently on a Sunday, everyone believes it anyways. So in three months, Nehemiah rebuilt this wall and Jerusalem is restored. But most of Nehemiah is God telling this guy what to do with all the gates. Take care with the sheep gate. Do it this way. The emerald gate. The gate to the Wizard of Oz. Like, what, like whatever gate it is. There are so many specific rules and Nehemiah follows every single one of them to a T. And he explains to people, here's what needs to happen. And so we find the gate way before Jesus enters the scene being built. And here's what happens with the sheep gate in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Eliashib, this is Nehemiah's grandfather who joined to build the thing. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests. Priests! Okay? The strong ones. The ones who were good at, you know, the priestly duties, which was killing people and animals and things like that. Went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated, they dedicated it and set its doors in place. I will read it again because it is a verse that doesn't matter unless it's tonight and we're talking about it. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it to the Lord and set its doors in place. And they're like, God, we dedicate the sheep gate to you for your purposes, Lord, for your sheep. May they be sheared peacefully. May they be remarkably full of wool. May their sacrifice be worthy of you. May as they pass through the gate of sheep, they walk on level ground. Do you guys hear my sarcasm a little bit? They dedicate the sheep gate to God. They have no idea what it is fully going to be used for. Later, Eliashib gets in a lot of trouble because he, lets the, he takes a bribe and lets some dude use the sheep gate for his own business. So he actually doesn't even use it all correctly. But he dedicates it. And they say, God, this sheep gate is yours. Fast forward to Jesus standing in the middle of a bunch of people who are crippled and hurt and broken and rejected and untouchable. Jesus enters through the sheep gate where they have entered through the sheep gate and he starts to do his magic. I promise you, this Eliashim guy had no idea what he was building when he built it. And I, can, I would bet money that Nehemiah 
didn't have a huge idea of what was going to happen. They were building their city to take it back for their God. They were dedicating it to their God. And they didn't yet understand that their God was going to walk in one day. Through this sheep gate that you dedicated to the Lord and restore a crippled man who had been oppressed and ruined his whole entire life. Now, this is where this is good news. Because there's two ways to take this sermon. There's the way it normally goes and the way I'm going to do it, which I think is better. (laughs) The way it normally goes... You all have a sheep gate in your life. Something that you have built. And God wants to use that gate. Are you going to let him? Or are you going to close that gate? And I can go on and on and on, right? I can really drive it in. We could have an altar call and 90% of you would be up here. Minus Rob Feeman, who's like, nope, not falling for it. (laughs) And then there's this way. I have good news for you. Even when you don't know what you're building in your life, in your legacy, with things that will live longer than you, even when you have no idea what you're doing with your life and you question if the foundations that you have laid in your life are even strong enough to hold one person past you or if they'll break and everyone will fall into the pit. Or even when you question if you did it correctly and if it's going to be helpful to anyone in your life or if you think you messed it up so bad that the generations that come after you may not be able to actually benefit from the things that you have built The good news of Jesus is that he's coming in through your gates. He's coming in through your walls. He's coming in through the things that you construct, whether you do a good job of constructing them or whether you do a bad job of constructing them. Because I promise you the intention of the sheep gate was not to be a collection pit of people who were crippled and had to beg for their lives so that the priests could be over here. No, it was designed to be built by the priests so that the priests could be in that space so that when people come into that space, the priests can perform the stuff they're supposed to perform. And just because the priests built it and then left and then left it for a bunch of lonely people to lay in a pile around a magical water pit for the rest of their lives, just because that happened, it didn't change the reality that Jesus was coming. See the sermon? Cheesy sermon? Jesus was coming. Jesus saw it when it was being built. Jesus noticed it when the sheep were coming in. He was aware of it when it transitioned to a place where people who were treated like animals had to go be with animals. And Jesus said, that's where I'm going and that's where I'm going to build my church. And so we find ourselves hearing good news, not 
Hopefully you build your gates right so that God can use them. Not hopefully you feel bad and can repent of the things that you've done wrong that you feel like have put so many cracks in your foundation that people around you are not going to benefit from your legacy. What we find is that after you are dead and gone, the legacy that you have built in your life, the people that you have touched, the work that you have put your hands to, when you've tried your best and when you've failed, Jesus is going to come into that space later and heal people. Why? Because that's who God is and that's what God does. So chill out. You're not messing it up. You're here. And so we wrote a Facebook post saying, we're going to plant a church. And I got so many calls and emails saying, here's how you do it right, and here's what you need to do, and you're not doing it this way. But I know in my heart of hearts that when we try to do something and when we try to build something and we have the humility to say, I don't have a clue, God. I dedicate it to you. It's yours. My life is yours. Take it. I need you to do something with me, Jesus, because I don't know what I'm doing, and I feel like I mess it up a lot. All of a sudden, we enter into this weird space in the universe where the same God who spoke the entire world into existence says, I promise that I will take up space in the spaces that you build. And you don't have to worry because I'm going to establish legacy. And so Eliashib, the high priest, had no idea the impact of the legacy of what he was putting his hands to thousands of years before God himself walked into that space. And even through all the brokenness and the way that it was being used to harm people, to hurt people, to set people off to the side, even though it was not done perfectly, and it was, as a matter of fact, done way more imperfectly than perfectly, because God is who God is, the impact of Eliashib, the legacy of this person who built this gate travels through time and we see a crippled man picking up his mat and walking. This is not the type of sermon that keeps people coming back to church, but it is the good news and it is true. Now, because it's a Sunday morning sermon, I have to transition it to your life now. The things you're building in your life. Whether good or bad. Whether full of shame, guilt, fear. The things that you're building in your life. Your best efforts to create space for your children, your families, your spouses, places you work, your best efforts to do your best to be who you think God is calling you to be, your very best efforts and your worst, when they all come together, 
Jesus will enter it and do his magic. And you can count on that. You can count on it. And we hear it time and time and time and time again through this story after story after story. God is a redeemer. God is a savior. God is someone who steps into hurt and steps into goodness and makes it better and more beautiful and allows us to leave legacy. And I am excited tonight about my legacy because it's not in my hands. And people are going to mention my name with awe of what they've seen God do. And I'm excited about your legacy because it's already happened in your life. People have mentioned your name in awe of what God has done in your life. And they will continue to do that because God's doing stuff in your life. And I am excited about the legacy of Edison Chapel because when its name is uttered, we will remember the legacy of what God is, has, and will do. And this is what it means to step into this Jesus thing. He's doing it all. And Paul would have the nerve to write this thing that would make no one ever come back to church. Being confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day that Christ Jesus is revealed. This neighborhood will be empowered. Your life will leave a legacy. And this church will be remembered as one that helped establish the legacy of God. And that excites me. And that's a reason to worship and that's a reason to celebrate. So thank you for letting me do my cheesy Sunday morning sermon. You, the, 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 the point is you don't have anything to do. But if you need to, for your own peace of mind, when we step into worship now, just dedicate it to God. And stop trying to take control of it. Because Jesus is coming in. And Jesus is a healer. Father, thank you that we can be here at the end of the week. Thank you that we can remember who you are and we can remind ourselves of good news that's going to last past our legacies and that's going to change lives through us even when we're gone. In Jesus' name.